thanks again um, for joining us today. Um, if you're new, um, this is Harvest. We're an intergenerational worshiping congregation that's built on house churches. Uh, it really seeks to be um, an agent of blessing, uh, a lighthouse, a city on a hill from where we are uh, to shine the light of Jesus to um, the world around us. Uh, we had um, a special guest today, uh, Pastor Albert, who uh, was here for about seven years and came back and um, he lost his voice during our past retreat that he was scheduled to lead praise at. And I know that, you know, there's probably this, this itching and longing and burning for him to, 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 to sing and, and to lead. And so it all just exploded on us. And praise God for that. I don't think there's no other way to go, though, right? Just to go. If we're going to do it for Jesus, we go all in. We go all out. We lay it all down and leave nothing on the field. And so uh, thanks for Pastor Albert uh, for leading us. And um, we're going to hear the word of God from... Uh, Dear brother, dear friend of mine, uh, Pastor Alex Lee, um, we have our paths crossed many years ago when I was still living up in Virginia and he in Maryland, uh, cross-state rivals. But uh, uh, recently, this past summer, we were privileged to minister together at a, uh, at a conference up in, in Georgia. And uh, we just realized that there's so much uh, that God's doing. It's uniting our hearts together for the kingdom's cause and the values and the vision and the hopes and longings that we have are uh, of kindred mind and similar spirit. And, uh, and so when we were thinking about, as, as Kenny and I were talking about who we should have uh, come speak to our youth, um, our hearts resonated with uh, the message and the life of, of Pastor Alex. He's a father. Uh, he's a husband first to Jessica, uh, the love of his life, and father to the second love of his life, uh, Zachary, five-month-old, uh, baby boy, um, first love in his life above all things, um, Jesus Christ. He ministers that love through um, his pastoral ministry at Hope Church in Maryland, House of Prayer for Everyone. And um, that's what he seeks to live by, uh, to be a man of prayer, devoted, dependent, um, to allow God's spirit to work through him. Uh, God did that uh, through um, this humble vessel, uh, through the retreat to many people, uh, including my own heart, uh, just stirred and, and encouraged and challenged through the word that he spoke. And um, we're texting back and forth this morning, and I really believe that God's got something for us, for you, for me this morning. So let's welcome uh, Pastor Alex. He's come to share the Word of God with us. Thank you, Pastor D.L. Good morning, Harvest. I, uh, I, I echo Pastor uh, D.L.'s uh, intro, and I just so thank you for that, that um, you know, our, our, our cross paths kind of in a divine way this past summer. And uh, when he asked me to come to speak at the youth retreat, I was, I was really puzzled. And it was really peculiar that, you know, this, this man whom I adore and I just uh, look up to in certain ways that he would ask someone like me, kind of rough around the edges, a little bit raw, and uh, to come and minister at his church, and an amazing church. And I, uh, I prayed and I asked the Lord, I said, what, what is the reason behind all this? And it dawned on me that uh, we shared one similarity, and it was that we're, uh, we're very incredibly good-looking men. And, uh, and just the Holy Spirit came upon me and said, yes, spirit of truth. Um, I, really, I take a little bit of liberty up here, so please forgive me if that's out of line for you. But uh, no, the, the real fact is that uh, when I saw Pastor D.L., and I saw that um, he was not only a, a gifted preacher and teacher and pastor, but he was a man of prayer, and I just knew that... This is the type of guy I want to link up with, that I want to just um, really sit at his feet and to sit at the feet of the, the church here at Harvest and, and learn from you guys. And, and, and I tell you that it's been such a rich time. And uh, as much as uh, 
um, that the students and the leaders have been blessed. I have certainly been blessed beyond any imagination just by what you guys have here as a family. So I just want to thank you for inviting me and just really open up your home uh, to me. Um, today, just like Pastor Dale was saying, I, I just was really stirred and uh, I didn't sleep much last night. So I just, in the on the front end, I apologize if, if I'm not clear in my communication. I just pray that there's grace on it. But there was an urgency in my spirit, and um, I was really, really just seeking out the Lord. And Pastor Albert, we're just kind of have like an intercession meeting late at night. He's coughing, I'm praying. He's praying, I'm coughing. And it's just like a holy hullabaloo, you know. And, um, you know, we're just going after it. And I just, the Lord just really just um, said in my heart that, that, that this is a year that, that, that harvest and this upcoming year that really, really just devotes themselves. And, and you guys have already have, but devote yourself to the place of prayer. And I come from a place called Hope Church, and it's called House of Prayer for Everyone. It's based out of the text in Isaiah 56, uh, 7, that he will give joy to those in the house of prayer. And uh, we've been going after this thing called prayer for a number of years now. And, and we're weak and we're broken, and we still have the two-man prayer meetings, and it's, it sounds lousy. And, and this is recorded, so I apologize, Pastor Q. Um, but um, if, if anything that I could present to you out of my own story, out of the story of my church, is that we have um, in weakness and brokenness, and yet in the victory that's found in Christ, just given ourselves to the place of prayer. And uh, that's my encouragement for you today, that, that as you go about, that, that as you, you know, search out, just even in the next year, what does it mean to build a house of God? What does it mean when, when you have a construction project um, lined up for 2014? What does it mean that when you have the body of Christ coming together, that, that God's primary weapon and, and strategy from heaven is raising up the intercessors? You know, it says in Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, that, that he has set watchmen on the wall. And again, I'm sorry, I'm not, I know that this is, you're, not, you're not used to this style, but, but I'm just going to keep on swaying back and forth, so please excuse me. But, but, but God says that he's going to set watchmen on the wall. And he says that by setting watchmen on the wall, that he's going to establish Jerusalem, a city of praise. That he's going to establish a people of God in this house. And yes, it's through leadership, it's through strategy, it's through servanthood. But the primary weapon and the primary course is intercession. And in the passage, it says, you who make mention to the Lord... Do not keep silent. It says, you who, who make mention to the Lord, basically you who pray, those who are in the house church that are praying for missionaries, those who are attending the Wednesday night prayer meetings, those who are in your secret closet space on your knees, make mention to the Lord. Do not keep silent. And actually says in that passage, weary out the Lord. Make him tired in the place of prayer. Give him no rest whatsoever. And so in the heart of God, there's this, there's this value that, that we, we, we keep on coming after him and this persistence that he wants. That when we see the, the dream of God, that when we see the, the beauty of his plan for Harvest Church, for the city of Orlando, for the lives therein, that he wants us to press into the place of prayer and go there. Amen? Amen. And so today, this morning, I really just want to um, just talk on what it means to, to pray in a, in a persistent manner, what it means to um, really just lay hold of, of God's face in that place of prayer, as well as what it means for our church and, and our fellowship. 
as we devote ourselves to that place of prayer. So I told the, uh, the group this past weekend that I give really long intros. <laughs> I have not said a single word of, of my sermon yet. So, um, wow. Okay. We're going to miss some football games today. Amen. Um, if you can turn your Bibles, um, the primary text today is going to be uh, Luke 11. Um, I don't know if it's up there, but it's going to be Luke 11. And we're going to start. In verse uh, 5, verse 5, Luke 11. And then when you get your finger there, please also turn to Luke 18. And that's going to be verse 1. We're going to start in verse 1. Like Pastor D.L. mentioned, I have a beautiful wife and just an amazing, gracious, sacrificial wife. And uh, she's actually on Kansas City right now with, with our newborn son. And, um, you know, as much as I love to be here with you, I can't wait to get on that plane and go see them again. It's been the first time that I've, I've not been with Zachary um, for four days now. And so we were uh, FaceTiming the late, late, late at night last night, and we were just having a ball. So uh, I, I miss them is the point of that story. Um, <laughs> okay, so we're going to start off, and uh, I'll go ahead and read. I'm reading out the New King James, Luke 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are now with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. Can everybody say persistence? He will rise and give him as many as he needs. Verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And we go to Luke 18. And then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Can everybody say lose heart? saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he went not for a while, but after he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because of this widow troubling me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she will weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? Verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this day. God, we thank you, Lord, for the, the holy scriptures. God, for just the revelation of Christ within the word. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the company of saints in this house. I'm so privileged, God, just to see and witness with my own eyes, Lord, what generations before them have built so that this group in this room can enjoy, God, the fruits of their prayers. And, Father, we thank you that, indeed, it is the strategy of the kingdom, that your kingdom is built, your house is built, and, 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 and your church is established through the place of prayer. And, Father, we just ask that you would open up the scriptures, open up our minds, and open up our hearts, that we might receive your word and that we might respond accordingly. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
I'm going to start out by saying a, a little story. I have a friend. His name is Lam, and he actually did a year abroad in Thailand, and he, now him and his wife are, are, are planning to be out there long-term. But while he was out there in 2012, uh, there was a, a little baby, actually it's a pregnant lady, and uh, she's about six and a half months pregnant. And uh, the, the couple were going to name their baby Avi. And I don't know exactly what it means in Thai, but um, at six and a half months, the couple actually has their baby early. And uh, Lam is in relationship with this couple, and, and the baby is severely malnourished. And, and uh, they actually found out later on that this baby had about a 50% chance of living. It got even worse. They checked her, inte- her intestines, and there was, um, there was a blood that was clotting in the intestines, and they had to do emergency surgery. And um, as a result, the uh, chances of living were actually far uh, diminished. And there was something like a 1 in 10 chance that uh, the baby would survive. And so Lam, with a sense of urgency, texts us and emails us and says, Hey, guys, you got to get on your prayer mat. we gotta, we got to wage warfare on behalf of baby. And so in the course of 24 hours, I don't know how many people prayed, but we would literally get some groups of twos and threes, and we would just ask the Lord, God, we just know that you're kind. We know that you're merciful. We know that you have a plan for this young baby. God, we just ask that you would just come and break through. We ask for a miracle of healing. We ask for, for just surgeons to be completely skilled and anointed of God. And um, we were just waiting in the silence. I mean, we know that in, in Thailand, it's, I think, about a 13-hour difference from the East Coast. And so we're just in the place of prayer, in the place of prayer, just around the clock. And uh, what happens always in, in, when we're when praying, when we're making intercession, is that the doubt and the fear creeps in. How many of you felt that? When you really are just pressing in for something, and, and, and you, you start off with zeal and might and power, but when that phase and subsides, all you're left with just unbelief, doubt, and anxiety, and what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What if the baby passes? the tragedy? And you start coming up with all these scenarios. And we would just continue to press in, press in, press in. And just remember, just hearing from a, a various group of friends that they would say, you know, I just really felt like God was just going to be faithful. You know, that, that he was going to reveal the face of his faithfulness and, 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 and the might of his right hand on, on this baby. And, and it just gave us courage to continue to press in again, continue to press in again. And then 24 hours later, we actually received a, 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 an email from mom saying that the surgery went well. And that baby A.V. survived the surgery, and I stand before you as a witness of just his amazing, miraculous hand of healing that she's doing well. She's, she's, she's moving along. She's getting some chunk on her. You know, little Thai babies, they're skinny. I've been there myself four times, and they're not, you know, really like thick people like me, but, you know, they're really, uh, she's really doing well. That's the point, right? And I remember just recounting that story just even this past couple weeks about how, the process of prayer is, is a very difficult task. Let's all be real, right? That God knowing that, that because of our humanity, because of, 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 of lack of full faith, that there was going to be moments where we just kind of grapple with, you know, faith and unbelief and faith and unbelief and just kind of a wrestle. And here in the scriptures and, and, and these two parables Jesus is actually illustrating a story, and, he, and, he, and, he's, and he's revealing that these are the type of things that you will go through in the place of prayer. It's guaranteed. I don't know a single person, I haven't met him yet, 
that have, has told me that they haven't experienced doubt when you're pressing in for a promise of God and you're really persisting and you're just, you're just really just diving into the place of prayer and you haven't felt at least a smidgen of doubt and unbelief. And I think Jesus, knowing that, illustrates in these two parables that there's a process here. And let me go ahead and explain to you what's going on. And so the first uh, parable, you know, talks about, and it's, it's kind of weird, and, and parables in general are, are very riddle-laden. And so, you know, Jesus talks about a friend that comes to a friend, and this friend knocks on the door at midnight and says, friend, I have a friend on a journey, another friend. Right? It gets confusing, right? I was thinking about bringing up three kids and, and all that, but I would just be confused. <laughs> But it says, a friend, and let's just, I'm going to tell you straight up, up front, that this friend represents us, right? And he goes to a house of a friend at midnight. This friend in the house that has bread represents Jesus, represents God. How many of you know that God is the bread of life? He has the bread that nourishes our souls, not temporarily the bread of life, continually, eternally. And so we are uniquely positioned to knock on the door of heaven on midnight and say, friend, Jesus, Lord, give us bread for our friend that's on a journey, weary from the journey. And we have nothing in ourselves, like Pastor D.L. was saying this morning, we have nothing in ourselves that can actually provide for this person. And therefore, we are driven to this friend that has the resources that this person needs to feed him to the full, right? And in this parable, Jesus says that the man says, it's midnight, my children are asleep with me. <laughs> Basically, I don't care. And he says, finally, I cannot rise up. Now, how many of you know that that is not the heart of God? Amen? God is faithful. God listens to our cries. And yet, because of the doubt and unbelief that's working in our being, we, 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 we think of him and we project an image of a friend that will not wake up when we inconvenience him, when we ask him for supplies, that he will not wake up on our behalf. And so what is Jesus doing here? He's saying that not because of my friendship with you, because a lot of times you will doubt my friendship with you, but because of your persistence, because of your persistence. I tell you, that friend will rise up and give you not only three loaves, as Jesus described in the scriptures, but as many as this person needs. When Jesus gives, he gives in abundance, amen? But what he's describing here is that we need to have persistence. And, I, and, and my conclusion from this parable is that it's not the nature of God who is always faithful. It says in the scriptures that he never has a shadow of change within him. He doesn't even turn. There's not a shadow of turning within him. He's always the same. And yet the, the, the persistence is to overcome our doubt and unbelief about what he says that he will do to be true. The persistence is a testing ground and a proving ground of our faith. And Jesus says that when you persist in the place of prayer, when you continue on, that the warfare that's waged in your own heart, it becomes broken and you press through and you break through into that place where you lay hold of his promises and you have, friend, you have bread for the friend that's on a journey. Amen? There's a scripture, uh, I'm sorry, there's a quote that I love. 
And there's a couple of quotes, actually. I'm going to just go ahead and say them real quickly. I know they've recorded um, the sermon, so you can go ahead and just check them out when you need to. But John Wesley, it's a father of revival, he said that storm the throne of grace and persevere therein and mercy will come down. Storm the throne of grace, the place where bread is found. Persevere in that place and mercy will surely come down. There's another verse. Uh, messed up. Uh, Another quote, E.M. Bounds. He says, our praying, however, needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. Prayer is a ministry that requires a lot of courage. And a lot of times we think that there's an elite force, perhaps a, 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 a Navy SEALs, of, of the church that is relegated to the prayer ministry. But I tell you that Christ wants to give all of us courage. He wants everyone to be a participant in the place of prayer. He wants courage to be brought up in our own heart. That we just, we, we're just so locked into his promise and his nature that our doubt and unbelief just fades away. There's another uh, story. I just, I, I just have to tell the stories that I've seen. I, I just, I lay witness. I'm a witness to what mine eyes have seen. And there's another story of a friend that was in college and graduated from college, and she had a, a, a mother who had a medical uh, condition of depression. And uh, it was affecting her family. It was affecting um, just different areas of her life. And, uh, you know, she would pray for her. You know, she'd pray, God, break through, break through, break through. And yet, you know, the, the, the weeks would drag on and the months would drag on. And, 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 and she didn't see conditions get better. It actually worsened at times. And it was just a really, really just a, a grand struggle for her. And uh, what I noticed was that my concern was perhaps she would grow faint. Perhaps she would grow weary. But I saw that she was like the, the, the persistent widow in Luke 18. And that though her prayers became weak, Though that her heart was weary, because she kept on coming before the Lord and asking the Lord to break through in her mother's life, her heart never fainted. See, there's a difference between your heart becoming weak and weary and your heart fainting, right? And as long as you keep on coming after him like the widow in Luke 18, you will never faint. You'll be weary. But what I've come to understand from her story is that a weary heart will always wear out doubt and unbelief. It will always do that. God accepts the broken, contrite spirit. God accepts our, our, our weak and humble prayers, and he crashes in with his divine strength, empowers us, and gets us going again. And we're saying, God, break through, break through, break through, right? I'm not going to tell you a story that doesn't end uh, uh, well, and so I'm just going to share that um, in an amazing way, uh, her mom actually was getting, like, an appointment with her hairdresser, and her hairdresser just happened to be a Christian. And I think they were talking on the phone, and she prayed for her quickly over the phone, and then her mom literally just in a spontaneous, sudden way, the depression completely just came off of her. I, I think that's praiseworthy, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it doesn't always happen that way. But it was, it was sudden and it was amazing that God broke through and now her marriage is restored. Now they, they have sold their home and became uh, missionaries in Tanzania. And it's just amazing to see that the, the prayers of this 
this woman, weak and broken as they were, were effective to just bring restoration, freedom, and, and power and deliverance for her mother. And again, in, in Luke 18, Jesus says that, you know, the, the, the story really is about an unjust judge that has no regard for man or God. And perhaps you'll feel that God would be a judge in doubt and unbelief, a judge that doesn't necessarily break through. And yet Jesus follows that up by saying, nevertheless, he will answer the cries of his people, his children, who cry out to him day and night in persistence and prayer. And he will break through on their behalf, right? And that brings me to my second point. God always represents his nature. He provokes our hearts with his nature to encourage us, to give us hope, and help us press into prayer yet again, right? Uh, Pastor Dale asked me to do a couple, uh, you know, bullet points. I don't know if it's up here, but uh, I'm the worst when it comes to, like, those little bullet points. Like, I give, like, a paragraph when it comes to, like, you know, bullet points. And so, again, excuse me for, for, for my labor of words. But to boil it down, God will always provoke our hearts in a way that produces hope, produces strength, that causes us to lean into that place of prayer again, right? And so a couple of examples I have from the scriptures when, I mean, you know the story of Ezekiel, when the spirit lifted him up and took him to a valley of dry bones. And he's standing there and he's gazing upon the horizon. He sees all these dry bones and they represent the people. And he sees just the total devastation, right? And I'm sure that Ezekiel was like, oh, my goodness. Like, what is this? I have no idea what's going on here, right? And yet God intervenes and he says, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And the way that I kind of, you know, add my little commentary to the Bible is that, that Ezekiel, after looking at the bones, after seeing and surveying all the dryness in the land, they looks at God, the God who gives the breath of life, the God of resurrection power, the God who restores all things. And God provokes them to look, not at the issue, but to look at his face. And he says, son of man, can these bones live? And after Ezekiel looking at the face of God, confident in who he is and his promises, he's able to prophesy to the bones. And the Valley of Dry Bones becomes a large army, a great army, and life is breathed through its nostrils. There's another example where Jesus is at the Pool of Bethsaida, and it was known as a place where the, the lame would, would gather. And, and, and the reason for that is every once in a while, an angel would come and just stir the waters. And there was actually healing in the waters. By the way, how many of you know that Jesus is healing waters? I mean, let's exalt him today. Jesus is healing waters. But this crippled man, he was, he was sitting next to the pool and Jesus approaches him and says, you know, what's going on, essentially? And this man, in his, in his, in his bitterness and his, his disappointment and all of that, 
And he goes, I've got no one to take me from my spot and bring me into the pool. So I, I'm not, I'm never getting healed. He was set in his, in his, in his lack of faith and his unbelief. And he was looking at his circumstance and then Jesus, look, and again, this is my commentary. It's not in the Bible, but Jesus looks at him, right? And when you look at the face of Jesus, how many of you know that when you look at his perfect face, Jesus Christ, the one who is the healing waters, the living waters, that all your bitterness, all your offense, all your questions, all your doubt and unbelief, they just melt away in the light of his face. And what happens? The man gets healed. I mean, Jesus kind of does like a, right? He gets healed, right? Just a personal example. I know I'm just kind of laboring the point, but I want to really emphasize this because intercessors and, and my role, especially in my job and at my church was to just be a prayer person, right? I didn't have an official title. I just prayed for whatever needed to be prayed for. And the, the biggest weakness that someone like me has in the place of prayer is that I forget to look at the face of Jesus, I forget to look at that perfect face, the one who is the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father. And so I labor this point to emphasize, if you get anything out of today, in the place of prayer, look at his face. I remember there was a a youth retreat that we run every summer, and uh and uh, th- that was when the youth was doing really bad. I mean, just really just the enemy was attacking full force. And we would just pray, press in every Saturday night for two hours for this retreat. We said, God, break through, break through, break through for six months. And then we actually get to the retreat in June. And, and you can just see it on the faces that there was no hope in the youth. And I remember just a, a group of friends coming together and we're praying. And then one of our friends just in the middle of the prayer meeting just shouts out, God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. And I, I asked her later, what was that all about? And she said when she saw the faces and she became so afraid that she felt the Lord in her spirit in a still small voice saying, look up at my face. Look up at my face. Am I not the one that can breathe life into these, into these youth? Life into their nostrils, making them live again. And I tell you, I don't know, and it was a culmination of prayer warriors, but I tell you that there was so much breakthrough at that retreat. And why? Because I believe that, 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 that we looked straight into the face of God. We, 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 we gathered our hope. We renewed our strength, and we were able to press in with faith. You know, the Bible says that, you know, when you come before God and, and, and ask him, you have to have faith. You have to have faith when you ask him. But when, when, you, when your faith fails, what happens? What do you do? You look into the face of God. You renew your strength. Isaiah 40, 30 verse, through 31, just this past weekend, you know, just shared it with the youth. And it was one of a, 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 just a, a verses that I just hold on to even today. It's that, you know, even youth go tired and weary, even the choice men. You know, even the ones that have so much zeal and power and strength, they'll grow weary. But those who wait upon the Lord, hope in the Lord, look upon the Lord, will renew their strength. And they will rise with wings of eagles and soar. And so as a people of prayer, as a people who, who, who desire to, to press into the place of prayer, 
We need to look at his face. I tell you, if you, if you spend just a little bit of time, and, and I know that people are doing that already. I just met so many incredible people that have such an amazing life of prayer. And I'm sure that, you know, the ones that, 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 that know the secret place and, and all of us really, that if we would take a little bit of time and just stare at his face, how much more fervent will our prayers be? How much more can we shake the gates of hell? You know, I didn't, I didn't intend to be a weighty message. I'm actually more of like a joyful guy, a jolly guy. I think that comes with the territory of being a, a, a bigger guy. <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. Uh, <laughs> but the weight of the Lord, I believe, is on this message. And, on, and, and it's not me. It's not Alex Lee's message. It's, it's the call that he has for this church. right? Because the places that he wants to take you in the next season, you cannot accomplish without God. You cannot accomplish without fervent, fiery, hot prayer. And this is just an aside, but you know when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, what does he say? He doesn't say go up for the sign-up sheet. He doesn't say go to the Harvest Workers Kingdom Conference. He says pray. And so I know that this house, that this group of people, that it is in your DNA, and I'm so thankful that I met people that I've actually invested years and years and years into the place of prayer. And I tell you that I don't come with a message that I've mastered, but I'm learning from you. I'm just simply a mouthpiece today. Amen. But my third point, my final point, is that prayer is the channel in which inward and outward breakthrough comes about. Prayer is a channel in which inward and outward breakthrough comes about. There was um, a time in the season of our church, and again, we've been doing prayer meetings for the past 10 years, and it's just been, it's been good, and yet it's been labor. It's a glorious labor, right? And, uh, but there were certain seasons where it just all kind of came together by the grace of God. And I remember there was this unusual and, and heightened sense of urgency and desperation in our hearts for the things of God. And I reflect on those seasons, and I, and I remember some of the things that, that actually took place. And, and I just want to, you know, illustrate this point based off of something, some of the things that I observed personally. And that one, our tenderness before God was, was unusually high. You know, when we pray to God, when we, when we ask Him things... We enter into a relationship where it's father, son, or daughter, and we can say, God, you know, Daddy God, can you just, can you give me this breakthrough for this person? Can you give me this breakthrough for this church, right? And I just, and I think of my relationship with Zachary, you know, and he's only five months old now, and so all he asks for is his milk and uh, a clean diaper. So I'm pretty set right now, right? I'm doing okay. But later on in life, and, and I would just think of, you know, the scenarios where, where, where Zachary would ask for me of things. And I think every father in this room would take pleasure and delight in their son or daughter, knowing that, you know, their daddy has the resources and can provide for those things, right? But it would be a tragedy if Zachary just said, you know what? 
I really don't want to ask God, or I'm sorry, ask uh, ask uh, Dad, ask Alex, and I'm just going to kind of go off and do things on my own, right? It would be a tragedy. If my three-year-old son said, I want to get a little bike, <laughs> and instead of asking his daddy for a bike, he would say, you know what, I'm going to set up a lemonade stand. I'm going to get my accounting straight. I'm going to clip coupons from the Toys R Us. <laughs> I'm going to drive over there in a taxi that I'll, you know, purchase the cab fare, and I'll go get the, 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 the bicycle myself. It would be a tragedy. There would be no relationship, right? And I know that's a silly example, but what did Jesus say? If, you're, if your earthly fathers who are evil compared to the perfect heavenly father, they know how to get good gifts. How much more so is your heavenly father willing to give you good gifts? And it's only when we ask of God that we enter into this dynamic of depending on him as our heavenly father that can give us the resources that we need. And so I remember in the life of our church when we just simply ask, Father God, break through here, break through there. We were just so tender before him. It was a simple trust. It wasn't strategies that was our primary priority. It was a simple trust. Daddy, breakthrough here. The second thing that I realized was that when we had this, this, this urgency of prayer that we were able to share the most broken things of our lives, right? We had this atmosphere in this community where we were able to say, you know what? I'm dealing with some real stuff, right? And that's how I label it. It's real stuff, right? I come before you with a certain outfit on, whatever it may be, but back home, we all have it. We got real stuff. And most of the time, we're just scared to reveal those things. And yet in the place of prayer and urgency and desperation and fervency, man, I told stuff that I would never have borne to a single soul. And because of that desperation, I realized that my friends, my, my church members, my, my, my home group members were able to step up to the plate and pray on my behalf. You know, I had stuff about reconciliation with my dad that was heavy on my heart for, for 15 years. I didn't even realize it. But in the place, in the setting of prayer, we just had a simple prayer meeting, just four of us in an upper room somewhere in the church. And it just kind of blurted out. I was like, oh, snap. I hope that was the word I used. I can't remember. But then they just stood frozen. We never knew this. But instantly, because they knew my need, my desperation, they laid their hands on me, and they asked God for breakthrough. God, bring Alex to ministry reconciliation with his dad. And I tell you that there was so much forgiveness in my heart that took place. And there's so much I held on to for years and years and years. I didn't even realize. But as a result of three friends interceding on my behalf, that I was able to let go of so much stuff. And now I have a relationship with my dad I could have never imagined. I mean, we're not walking down the park together. He's buying me a balloon. Let's be real. I'm a grown man. But the redemption of my relationship with my father was as a result of those seasons of prayer when I was able to open up my heart and share the deep things and say, I don't even know why I told you, but please pray for me. And God did it.
You know, I consider the first church, the church that is storied in the book of Acts. And I ask God, why was there so much breakthrough in that church? Why was there the gospel being preached and 3,000 people coming to God in a day? Signs and wonders, miracles, healings, provisions, love, fear of God, everything that took place during that time. And I just believe the Lord just dropped in my heart. Alex, the first church was the most powerful church because they were the most prayerful church. When Peter was locked up in the prison, what happened? Prayer meeting. When Paul was getting persecuted, what happened? Prayer meeting. There wasn't a five-point bullet list of things to pray for. You just prayed. And I said, oh, God, if we can just have that type of power in our church this day. And he says, you can have it. Get on your knees, son. I remember just, and just to tell a little bit of story, again, I'm, I'm sorry for laboring the point, but, you know, I walked past on a Friday night. I had college ministry at my church, and then I was preparing, getting, like, you know, like, uh, sermon stuff and praise stuff ready, and I was on the photo, photocopying machine, and then I hear, like, a noise over here on the side, and I'm, like, kind of leaning in, right? And if you guys know, old school Korean prayer, and I know that a lot of you aren't Korean in this place, but I'll just go ahead and explain it briefly, that there is a lot of, you know, ground-pounding there's a Korean word called chuyo, right? And that's shouted at least a million times. And that's, and, it, and literally, I thought that there was like a fight that broke out in there, but I kind of crept the door open and I see that they're in a circle and they're saying, chuyo, chuyo, which I don't even know what it means, but I'm guessing it means like Jesus or revival or whatever it is, right? And I'd ask them, like, my mom afterwards, and she was part of the same church, I said, what were they doing? And she goes, oh, they just do that every week. I said, for how long? She said, oh, for years. I said, really? They still have their voice after that? But I realized in that moment that the blessings that my church has received and my generation has received was on the back of, of prayer warriors gathering together faithfully, week in, week out, Month in, month out, year in, year out, asking God for the next generation to rise so much more so than they have. And I tell you, Hope Church, house of prayer for everyone, you will receive joy in the house of prayer was a result of a generation before. And I tell you, as you vision out this next year, 2014, as you vision for a new building, I, I, I rejoice with you. We meet in schools right now, and I love it, but we just got kicked out of one, not because of us, because there was a mold issue, and we're doing our, you know, Israelites in the desert thing right now. I mean, we're going station to station in our tents, you know what I mean? And so I love the fact that God has graced you and resourced you with, with a potential new building, and there's a dream of God in that building, but I tell you that you build a house and you build a building on your knees in the place of prayer. I can't tell you how many countless breakthroughs happened as a result of seasons where God gave us, and this is scripture, it says, the spirit of grace and supplication, where we can just contend for the things of God together. And that's all that mattered. That's all that mattered. There's countless breakthroughs. I can go on and on and on. 
You know, Charles Spurgeon has a quote, and this is something that I recorded in, in, a, in a journal many years ago. And just um, Brother Kenny was encouraging us this past weekend to look through our journal. And I didn't actually have the journal from 10 years ago, but I remember just that moment where I wrote down the Spurgeon quote. And I really want to just give it to you so that it's just kind of, you know, bring this together. And he says, our seasons of fasting and prayer at the tabernacle have been high days indeed. Never has heaven's gates stood wider. Never have our hearts been nearer to the central glory. Homeboy knew how to spit. You know what I'm saying? But it's true. When you, when you give yourself to fasting and prayer, and believe me, fasting is, Lord, I repent, you know, like every single day, right? But when you give yourself to fasting and prayer, you feel the gates of heaven wide. You feel in your heart the, the nearness of the presence of God. I tell you, it's the economy of heaven, just like what Pastor Dale was saying. It doesn't make sense to me that if I press in and, and enter into a labor and a glorious labor at that, that I feel the warmth and joy and the gladness of God. It is an unusual, peculiar thing. And yet if Jesus said that to his disciples... Many years ago, will his disciples today not also follow that word? I want to close with this one thought. You know, I was just um, driving with KC and um, to the church. And by the way, I agree with you. Wings of Winter Garden. I mean, praise the Lord, manna from heaven. You know what I'm saying? Like the fame of Wings of Winter Garden will reach the D.C. area. And you will have a, an annual pilgrimage <laughs> to get the butter garlic and the yo mama sauce or whatever it is. <laughs> but she was recounting the story of KPCO and Harvest and, and, and everything. And I just stood in awe and I was floored. And I said, oh, my goodness, what amazing story. I said, tell me more in my spirit, in my heart. I didn't ask her that because, she, you know, she was probably like, stop talking to me. <laughs> No, she wasn't. She's so gracious. But I was reflecting. It's like such an amazing story. That there was years where, where you really had to build on your knees. You really had to just press in because there was nothing available. The leadership, the, 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 the structure, whatever it may be, it was, nothing was there. And obviously I'm using my own words. I said, oh, what a beautiful story. And as I walked through the hallway, down into this room, and I sat down, I was just reminded of a verse that the Lord brought back to my heart earlier this weekend. And it was Jeremiah 2. And it actually says that I remember you. I remember you. The kindness of your youth. The love of your betrothal. Where you went after me in the wilderness. When there was nothing that was built. When there was no leadership. There was no youth program. There was nothing available. And in your kindness, you still came after me. Because it was all about love anyways. And it just as she's telling the story, I'm just like trying to hold back my heart. Because I just felt the heartbeat of God for this church saying, I remember you, Harvest. I remember you, KPCO, that when there was nothing, you still came after me. When there was nothing, you were kind. You betrothed yourself to me as a bride. 
and you love me in the wilderness. And I tell you, the Lord wants to stir up that heart of love again. You know, beyond persevering through doubt and unbelief into a place of victorious faith, beyond all of that, Jesus just wants you to be there with him. He is the mighty intercessor, making intercession day and night, night and day, and he wants company. He wants friends. If anything I've learned over the past 10 years, he wants friends in the place of prayer. And Ezekiel says, I sought for a man that would stand in the gap, and I found no one but Jesus Christ, the mighty intercessor. He stood in the gap on behalf of all humanity. And he bore the weight and the grief and the sorrows. And that's a glorious story of the gospel. And yet I stand before you today that the story isn't over. Because he prays day and night, night and day, he wants you to pray day and night, night and day. It's all about love in the first place. And it's amazing. It's a peculiar thing because after all these years and after all the, the brokenness, the breakthrough, the victory, the struggles, after all of it, the one thing that resounds in my heart is, you love me. You love me well. And Harvest, can we be a church that loves them well? Can we be a people that take joy in sitting with him in that place of prayer and loving him together? I tell you, that will make all the difference in your life in the life of your church, in the missionaries that are sent into the far-flung countries of the earth, it will make all the difference in the world. I'm not even talking about the breakthrough. I'm talking about the sweet, sweet aroma of his presence, the joy of being with him. He said, you know, my, my disciples, can you not tarry with me in, for an hour? I believe that he wasn't rebuking them for the sake of rebuke to correct them for the sake of correction. But he said, could you not be with me in my time of greatest need? Could you not stay with me for an hour? I need friends in this hour. That the king of glory made himself so vulnerable that when he was sweating blood, making intercession, he said, I just need friends. And I tell you guys that this is what God is calling you into today. I, I, I titled the sermon, The Call to Prayer, but maybe it should be The Call to Love. Because those who wait with the Lord love him the best. And I tell you, it doesn't have to be a two-hour prayer meeting. It doesn't have to be five hours on a Saturday night. You know, that was back in the day. I don't know how people did it. <laughs> Pastor Q would tell me, 10, in the, 10 at night to 6 in the morning, and then Denny's right afterwards, right? I was like, I might have done for the Denny's, but I don't know about all that. But if you got 15 minutes before you got to go to class, will you do it? If you have an hour before the service, will you do it? If you have a weekend of prayer and fasting, a little plug right there, right? Man, that's pretty smooth. <laughs> Will you do it? If there's a Wednesday night available and you're fighting through traffic and your heart tells you, you know what? I'm just going to head back home. Will you press into that traffic and go after him in that place of prayer? If you have a choice between carrots and broccoli at your house church meetings. I don't know what you guys do here, but back at home, maybe we got some problems. We need some chicken wings. Between that and praying for 15 more minutes so that the missionaries that you support will feel a surge of intercession 
Will you do it? Will you do it so that at the end of the day, when Jesus says in Luke 18, 8, but will a son of man really find faith on the earth? That in your heart you can say, yes, you found faith in me. You found faith in harvest. Why don't we just pray? Now, what we're going to do is um, we're just going to wait on the Lord. I know that, I mean, he was speaking through me. And he was speaking to me. And I know that he's speaking to your hearts today. And I just want you to just reflect and just ponder, you know, the, 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 the place of prayer, how glorious and how beautiful it was, that it was never about results in the first place. It was all about love. It was all about loving him in that place. It was all about discovering that he really is greater than our doubts and unbelief. And that he really is true to his word. That he is faithful. That he is mighty. That he is glorious. And he's passionate about his people. And I want you to consider... That this upcoming year, I know that everyone has laid plans for 2014. But I want you to consider, is the Lord asking you and calling you into the place of prayer, of devotion? And I want to encourage you that if you feel like your prayer life has run dry, there's no worry. There's no concern. You get together with the people that pray. You burn hot right from the get. If you don't know how to pray, if your prayer life hasn't even jumped off, you get together with people and pray. And you learn a prayer language. That's what happened to me. I, sat, I, I just was Patrick Hughes' sidekick every Tuesday morning for six months. 5.30 in the morning. I didn't know how to pray a lick of prayer. But by the end of it, I just came out roaring like a lion, but I was probably more like a lion cub. But it meant everything in the world for me. I want you to consider, is the Lord calling you to be with him in that place of prayer? That all the areas that, that we try to control in our own strength, that he's beckoning you to say, no, give it to me. And press in together, you and me, me and you. I want you to consider, is the Lord calling you to pray on behalf of the church? to build this church on your knees together. After we sing a couple, uh, just Pastor Albert leads us in worship, gonna have a call and we're just gonna have you respond and say yes to the Lord.